Well, two weeks ago, um, I said that we were going to be in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 through chapter 3, verse 10 for a few weeks. Um, and then, actually it was three weeks ago. And then the, uh, the very next week was Jesse's time to preach because it was the fifth Sunday. And then last week, you guys had the pastoral appreciation. So it's been almost a month since I preached the first of a few sermons uh, out of this section. But um, I want to read to us this morning out of these verses. And then um, we're just going to look for just a few minutes at chapter 3, verse 9 as the focus of this morning's service. Um, but starting with First John chapter 2, verse 28, and then we'll read all the way through to verse 10 of chapter 3. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world doesn't know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sin, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. The word of the Lord. Verse 9 is the one that I really want to focus on this morning. And again, it's, it's not going to take me, hopefully not 15, 20 minutes, but we'll see. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. There is a poetic structure in ancient Hebrew called the chiasm. And it may be that it's also in Greek. I'm not a scholar in that area, so I can't tell you for sure. But when, when you study the Bible, um, one of the things that you look at is the form of the Bible that you're, the book, the scripture that you're looking at. And this particular verse forms what is called a chiasm. C-H-I-A-S-M is the term. A chiasm in Hebrew poetry has similar starting and ending, similar 
second verse or next to the last verse, and then a central point. And a chiasm doesn't have to be just one, two, three, four, five. It can be 20 or 30 verses long. You can see some of the Psalms are chiastic in the way that they're structured. Well, verse 9 of chapter 3 is a chiasm. So let's look at what are the bookends of verse 9. Verse 9 says, no one born of God. And then at the end, it says, he has been born of God. So the bookends of this verse are being someone who is born of God. Then the next section in says, um, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. And then the last section says, he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Okay, so you see how it's forming like a mirror image of itself. Everyone is over the, out there keeping their eyes wide open and yawning because it's very hot in here. And we've already been here over an hour. So could somebody walk up into the sound booth, because Craig's not there, and just flip that switch that's over. There's two round dials, and in between them there's a switch, and that'll turn on these fans, which will help get us a little bit of air circulation. Because I'm hot. You guys are already, I can tell, hot because you're going... Trying to keep awake. And I was already warned by one person this morning that I better be interesting, otherwise they'd be snoring by the end of the service. Because <laughs> they had a hard night last night and they didn't want to fall asleep. All right, so, chiastic structure. Born of God, born of God. Practicing sinning, practicing sinning. And the reason that chiastic structure is important is it always points to the very center. So, what is in the very center of this verse? God's seed Excuse me, I lost my place. God's seed abides in him. So someone who's been born of God doesn't practice sinning. Why? Because God's seed abides in that person. What is God's seed? And that's what I focused on for my time of of reflection for this sermon. One of the things I learned as I was studying is that Scholars don't know this for sure because obviously they didn't get any kind of extra writing from John to give them this information. But they believe that John was writing to the church because there was bad teaching going on, Gnostic teaching, teaching that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, that he wasn't truly divine. And so John was then writing this letter to help refute this Gnostic teaching. Well, scholars believe that this term seed or God's seed, which is actually in the, in the, uh, in the Greek, it's sperma theoos, theoos, or theoos. I don't remember how it's pronounced. Sperma theoos, which means the, the reproductive cell of the divine. Or of the God. They believe and understand that this was not a term that John made up, but that he actually borrowed it from Gnostics. That Gnostics were saying, well, our people have received the, the seed of God. We have this understanding of what the truth is. And we know. And so John is using that terminology in this to help us understand the point of his verse. And the point of his verse is this, quite simply. If you truly are born of God, you have the very seed of God, which 
prevents you from living a life of lawlessness, a life of sin. You cannot continue to practice sin. Because if you do practice sin, continually, perpetually, you're not of God. You're literally of the devil, he says. Simple story, but what in the world is the seed of God? Because there's no other place that I can think of in the whole Bible that says this. That when we get born again, we receive the seed of God in us. The germ of creation, if you will. The, uh, if you think about an appropriative act, it is, as one scholar that I read wrote, the woman carries an ova, um, an ovum, excuse me, but if it doesn't get fertilized, then it passes on and it never becomes a human being. So there has to be the male sperm that comes to join with the ova, ovum so that we end up with creation. And so this idea is, is that God sends something to us to form new life in us. But what is this seed? What is this? Well, it is so simple. It is amazingly simple. Turn to Luke chapter 8. You're going to just go, oh, duh. I should have figured that out on my own. Well, I didn't figure it out until I read somebody else's words, so don't feel badly. Did I say 8? Here it is. Yep. Chapter 8. I was afraid that I said 18. That's the reason I was asking if I said 8. It's Luke chapter 8. Verse 4 and following says, And when a great crowd was gathering, the people from the town after town came to him, and he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it. And some fell on good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, Jesus said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are, the par- they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And we don't have to go any farther, because that answers the question for us. Going back to John chapter, I mean to, to 1 John chapter 3 verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him. The truth of the gospel. The word of the kingdom. God's very word abides in us. If you think about it, when Jesus uh, was on the earth and he taught his disciples, he said, I have to go back to the father so that the paraclete, the Holy Spirit of God can come and be with you. And when the Holy Spirit of God comes, this paraclete, he will lead you into all, what? He'll lead you into all truth. The seed of God. So as you hear the word and the Holy Spirit brings it into you, it becomes, if you will, alive. 
in you. And it convinces you of the reality of its truth and of the fact that you are a sinner and that you need to have right relationship with God. Otherwise, you will live a life of lawlessness. And when you do submit and you confess your sins and you repent of your sins, the Holy Spirit of God then enters you with that seed of God and begins to let it grow. And your understanding becomes more and more and more until you become a mature child of God. Now, we all understand if you look at Paul and his writings, he said many times over, I would love to take you out for a steak, but I can't because you're still stuck drinking the milk. You have not progressed in your relationship with God and in your understanding of the truth and of your application of the truth to your life that I can't take you to the deep things because you couldn't, you couldn't tolerate it. It would be like having a child in your home who continued to act like a three-year-old even though they were 17. Continually throwing temper tantrums. You can't make me do this. This isn't right. It's not fair. And at some point, just as I tried to express to the kids, God's going to go, okay, enough. Enough is enough is enough. If you do not want to live as I ask you to live, that's fine. But we're not going to play this game anymore. Don't call yourself a Christian because you're not. You're a child of the devil. And you need to get out. If you go back to 1 Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, you see an evidence where, where Paul uh, said to the church, you've got a guy who's sleeping with his stepmother. And you're saying, that, oh, we're so holy because we're loving on him. Cast that guy out. Let him come to understand the depth of his depravity. And then when he repents, welcome him back into the fellowship. And God does that with his children. If you refuse, and that's the key, if you refuse, you don't lose your salvation. You know, there's the, there are brothers and sisters of ours, Christians, who meet every Sunday, who love the Lord Jesus, and they have an understanding from the way they've been taught that there's absolutely nothing that they could ever do that could make God stop loving them, which is true. But they, they then take it that much further that says, and no one can take me out of my father's hand, which means nothing I do could ever cause me to fall out of favor with God. Well, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Because if you continue in rebellion after God, after you've already been in right relationship with God, I can show you in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6. I always mess up, but it's either 4 or 6. In chapter Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, where it says, if you continue to sin... And you violate the cross of Christ and the sacrifice of Christ. There remains for you no hope because you've rejected your only hope. And you become what is known as an apostate, one who has fallen away. Now, the question then comes up. Well, if there's a danger of me as a Christian entering into sin and ending up in lawlessness or an apostate. At what point do I no longer be a Christian? Am I no longer a Christian? I mean... The question comes up, and I've had people ask me this. Well, if I can lose my salvation through my actions and my sin, then how many sins does it take? Am I no longer a Christian after I've sinned once? 
Am I no longer a Christian after I've sinned 17 times? When is that moment that I have to be afraid of? But I submit to you, if you go back to John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, and you see in verse, it's, it's, it's also in verse 6, but 6 and 9. No one, look at verse 6, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. And then verse 9, he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Now, Wayne, you have King James, right? Because I know Wayne has used King James for almost the whole time I've ever known him. What does yours verse say? Verse 9. Yeah. Okay, look at the screen. The third guy talking, what does he say? He's quoting King James. Now, there's nothing wrong with King James. King James is a very valid translation. However, it does not translate the nuance of the word sin from this verse. The, the, in the Greek, and it's not, in our English language, we have a difference between the Greek and the English language. In the Greek, the, the ter- tense of this verb, sinning, is a perpetual continual, doing it over and over and over again. Okay? That's what Paul, that's what John is trying to communicate to the church. He's saying, you cannot be a Christian and live a lifestyle of continual sin. You cannot be in continual rebellion against the laws and rules of our Father and then claim that you're still a child. Because that doesn't compute. It doesn't make sense. So you're lying, which means you're a child of the devil. See, he's not being unkind and saying, well, you're, you're not of us, so you're of the devil. That's not, it, that's, his whole point is he's trying to help his people in his church understand, yes, it is possible. Because if I go back to 1 John chapter 2, You'll see, if you read it, we don't have time this morning to read it, but you'll see where it says, if you sin, we have been advocate that we can turn to. Okay? So he's not making the argument that that Christians never sin. He's saying, if you continue to sin, if you continue to walk a pathway that is contrary to our Father, you cannot remain in right relationship with Him, and ultimately you will live a, be living a life of lawlessness. You will be an apostate. And it's not a matter of how many sins can I get away with before I end up crossing the line. It is having a mindset of, I want to honor my God with every part of my being. That song that we sang at the very beginning, so let my deeds outweigh my words, and let my life outweigh my song. Unbroken praise be yours, God, and let my, what is it, let my life be your throne? I can't remember, oh, I got it right here, duh. Um, but, but, Let it become your throne. So take this life, let it become your throne. See, when we enter into relationship with Jesus, with God through Jesus Christ, we literally submit ourselves to God. We literally say, I want you. And with that comes the rules. Live a life that is pleasing before God. Live a life that helps other people see your Father and bring glory to Him. 
Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the things that God expects of us. And it's not hard because his Holy Spirit provides the power and the strength to do what he calls us to do. The problem and the tension comes in when we refuse to submit. And when we continually refuse to submit, we end up, like John is talking, a child of the devil. And so you need to understand this little meme that's up here. There are Christians who truly believe if you're a Christian, you cannot sin. There are some Christians who say if you're sinning, you can't be a Christian. And I submit to you that none of neither of those statements is true. But I will say to you, just as what we're reading this morning, you cannot be a Christian and have an attitude of continuation of continuation of continuation of a sinful practice. Let me throw one more thing here. There's actually two more things I need to say. One more thing about sinning. Many, 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 many years ago, there was a phrase that I heard, and it's not in fashion today. You hardly ever hear it. Of course, we never talk about sin anymore anyway. But there's what's called a besetting sin. Have you ever heard that term? Besetting sin. This is the sin that you always trip up on. Every time the temptation comes, it's like the enemy knows exactly where your weakest spot is, zaps you, and it's like, you might as well just fall over now. There is no fight. It's a besetting sin. It's constant failure every time. That is not what John is talking about here. If I have an addiction to pornography... I don't, thank God. He healed me of that many, many, many years ago. But if I had an addiction to pornography and I knew and was fully convinced in my heart that watching porn, observing porn, bringing it into my my life was sinful, every time the enemy brings it to me in a temptation, I need to push it away. But if I fail... That doesn't mean that I am no longer a Christian, even if I fail multiple, multiple times, because these besetting sins are our weakest point. That's the area the enemy is trying to get you to fail. And so if you have a struggle that is a besetting sin, do not throw your hands up in despair and say, oh, it's hopeless. I can't be a Christian. Because that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about an attitude of, you can't tell me what to do. I'll do my life however I choose, and I'm covered by the blood. And see, that's the problem. That's the problem. If you look in Romans, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind as you enter into this right relationship with God. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to change the way you think, the way you respond to the stimulus that Stimuli that come into your life. Literally, let God transform you. First, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Second Corinthians tells us we are new creatures in Christ. So to wrap this all up, God's seed, the very word of God, the truth of the kingdom comes into my life. And in the same way that the human gamete comes in and fertilizes the egg, God's word comes in and creates new life in me. And I begin to flourish and grow and grow. And as long as I allow the Holy Spirit of God to transform me, 
I am and will always be a child of the living God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, cleansed by the blood of Christ, and living a life that is pleasing before my Father. But if I continue to rebel, if I refuse to allow that transformation to take place, then we have the danger of being the rocky, I mean, excuse me, the, the, the rocky soil or the thorny soil. Because see, the, 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 soil, the seed that fell on the path never germinated. But the seed that fell in the rocks and the seed that fell in the, in the thorns germinated and began to grow. But something thwarted it and it withered and died and never produced. So that part is on you. I cannot live with an attitude of I can do whatever I want because I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have to continually live an attitude of God has set certain boundaries and certain rules because God knows best. And regardless of what those rules are for me, it doesn't matter what anybody else's rules are. God has communicated to me what my rules are, what his rules are for me. And I must follow those if I want to continue in right relationship with him. And that's where the transformation has to take place. That's how repentance takes place. And so this is one little verse. If I'm born of God, I can no longer practice sinning because the seed of God is in me bringing life. And if I continue to practice sin, I can't say I'm born of God because no one who continues to practice sin can be born of God. They're the children of the devil. Powerful, powerful, powerful words in just a couple of verses here. Let's pray.